welcome to Tall Tales and Short Stories with Tim. And Tony! He's Tony and I'm Tim. <laughs> so, uh, as promised... This is episode five, which we have done, which we have a whole thing planned for this one. Like, every five episodes is a serial killer and I get to have free reign of that. And I come in blind and not knowing anything. And... I really am excited about this one. But first, I do have an update to our second episode. Yeah, that worked. No, that'll be the first episode. First episode. Because that was Portals to Hell. Yeah. I actually have a co-worker that lives about a mile or two from the Purple Church. Oh, whoa, whoa, he what? Really? Yeah. Whoa. Um, And he actually, he's older. He's in his... 50s early 60s now okay late 50s. so he used to go there as a kid oh no and it was actually a church Uh uh-huh and it was like a small town you know one room yeah the small town pew or five five pews pews yeah Yeah. like five pews to it and yeah they actually when it got demolished they actually used to go you know be teenagers and dick around spray paint shit all over it oh my god so to confirm, it was a church, there was the basement, and there was creepy shit that happened. <laughs> I so, love it! And it is now, the basement is actually, I guess they caved it in or something, like they, the current property owners like actually they, caved it in. Like they filled it in and everything? Yeah. Ah, oh, man, so we can't go there anymore. No, so we can't I go was, spend the night. Man, I was looking forward to it, too. No, you weren't. You weren't going to go, you chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you caught me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I caught me. I'm yellow. I'm cowardly. I'm yellow. I don't care. <laughs> uh. But today we are not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about serial killers, specifically uh. one, and even further, she has a tie to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yep. And so, where else are we going to begin? Let's just get right to it. Poison is a woman's weapon. A common thought that was first said in The Pursuit to Algiers, a 1945 film that starred Basil Rathbone as infamous detective Sherlock Holmes. The notion has been in the mass mindset for decades, but for this particular killer, it truly was her choice of weapon. Over a span of 30 years, Nanny Doss killed 11 people before she was finally apprehended and confessed to the crimes. 11 people, 30 years. Come on. Her motivation? Money and the pursuit of the real romance of life. Her methods of killing, as well as her physical appearance, led to many people calling her, among other things, the giggling granny, the black widow, Lady Bluebeard. So, Tony, join me in this incredibly unassuming killer story in this week's episode of Tall and Short. I hate you. Oh god, serial killers creep me out so much. Okay, so this is our fourth this is our fifth episode, not fourth. This is our fifth episode, and we'll be doing something a little special for it. I'm going to go over a serial killer as I've mentioned that Tony has no idea about. <clears throat> he is he knows some of the names, but he doesn't know the full details. Yeah. I watch the documentaries like every other white woman on Netflix. <laughs> so we're going to get his blind reactions to the story, which will make this all the better. Now, to make things even further more interesting, I actually have with me a case file. The official Tall and Short case file that has photos related to the topic. 
and I will give this to Tony. And yet, I'm not kidding you. Tony, what am I holding in my hands? You're holding a manila pamphlet case yeah. file. Yep. Just like, just like the regular thing that you see in, in uh, detective in stories. Yeah, pretty much. And so when I tell Tony to, and so when I tell Tony to open it up, he is going to look at the first photo, and then when I tell him to look at the next photo, he will do so accordingly. So, on my signal, buddy. You're enjoying this way too much, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not I, happy. Yeah, I put. Yeah, I put a lot of thought into this. I'm not <sighs> even kidding. I'm gonna make a frog episode. Even further, I've made certain that Tony. That no opening. That Tony has also put away his laptop and his phone, so he can't look ahead and oh, spoil the phone. Oh, it's also because my f- laptop's updating. So that too. So that's that happened. <laughs> now then, let's get this going, shall we? So where else do we start? Let's start at the beginning of this. All right. One last thing before we do. Yep. Tim, how many shots did you have? I only had two shots of wi- of rum. It's no and, worries. And what time is it? So what? It's 9.40 in the morning. I don't care. Okay, okay, just making sure. This will help out, okay? Anyway, November 4th, 1905. Nancy, or Nanny, Hazel was born in Blue Mountain, Alabama. Blue Mountain no longer exists. Instead, it's a part of Anniston, Alabama in Calhoun County. I did a lot of looking into that. She was born to James F. and Louisa Lou Hazel. She was a second of five children with three sisters and one brother. Anna May Hazel, W. Francis Hazel, Addie Sula Hazel, and William Roscoe Hazel. Go ahead and open the uh, first one. That's Nanny Doss. She's just a little old granny, isn't she? I'm just... I, I, I'm not looking forward to any of this. And but I'll, yes, she uh, looks like she would just bake you a cake or a pie or something. We'll get to that when you, oh, you just God said it. Damn it. So I, I'm also going to have you take the next photo. There's a second one underneath it. That is where Addison is located. That is a map I got from Wikipedia. That's the the dark is uh is uh, Addison and then that's its county up in Alabama. So mm-hmm. northeast Alabama, up that yeah. area. Okay. I had to I was like and then we'll leave that right there for the moment. Yeah. You can go back to you can go back to her just to see just to see that. There you go. Makes me think of Crow's class with all the maps. Oh, God. The maps. I remember the maps. those. The and maps. You only had to blue, use a blue pen for those. No, you were only allowed to use a blue pen. Exactly. I remember. Yeah, only allowed to use a blue pen. No Trauma. black, no black, no red, only blue pens. He was very adamant about that. Anyway, so, Nanny's childhood was not the least bit ideal and was very unhappy. Not only was she born just after the turn of the century, but she also grew up in a poor farming family in Alabama. Dirt floors, outhouse, I mm. assume. Not even just that, but she also but her father was a cruel and abusive man who would force his five children to work on the farm and do all the work. Not, you know, like obviously tilling the land as well as various household chores like, you know, cleaning the pots and pans, dusting, sweeping, everything, and not allowing them to go to school. Quite literally, if there was work to be done, the work got done. Their education suffered because of it. Jesus. So, Nanny, she did not do well in school. And I'm going to call her Nanny because that was a nickname for Nancy. Yeah. So, I'm just going to call her Nanny to make it easy on us. Her father, in fact, her father was so overbearing 
that when she and her sisters reached their teenage years, he forbade them from wearing makeup and attractive clothing so that way they could be protected from being molested by men. He was, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. He was that kind of guy. The, da- the daughters were also not allowed to go to dances or social events because their father believed that they would be messed with by other men. I mean, it's a father's mentality, I guess. And it is It is also like, you go, like a 19, it is the early 1900s. So it is that, but at the same token, still pretty overbearing even yeah. for the time. Yeah. But here's where we're going to get interesting. When Nanny was seven, so this is 1912, during a train ride to see family in southern Alabama, the train suddenly stopped, and she hit her head on the metal bar on the back of the seat in front of her. Ooh. Like, wham! Right here in the middle of her, right here, in the forehead. Jesus. Yeah. The injury put her into deep depressions, blackouts, headaches, and, according to her, mental instability. Some distant relatives of Nanny Doss actually said that she already had a mean streak about her. So, well before the injury, she was already a mean kid. Yeah. But, you know, during her childhood, she did have some escape from her abusive father and the farm. She would read her mother's romantic magazines and stories, which made her dream of that idyllic romance, living with a loving man, happily ever after, you know, the, the classic, yeah. the classic fair, fa- the uh, classic, fantasy story. Uh, fancy smut Yeah, novels. pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. As she got older, she loved looking into the Lonely Hearts column, which to us we're unfamiliar with because now we have like, you know, Tinder and Craigslist, Bumble. <laughs> Essentially, it is like the missed connections yeah. of Craigslist is the Lonely Hearts column. Yeah. And in the magazines and newspapers. And this was, and we would get that, we get that, we had that in newspapers until Craigslist showed up and it was just people looking for companionship or love in those columns. Mm-hmm. Now, another escape of hers was Definite Rebellion, because she was reaching her teenage years in this one, right? She and her sisters would sit by the windows on the porch, or on the porch, and they would hear the sounds and see the flickering lights of parties and dances going on at neighboring farms late at night. And it's just like, oh, I want to be there. Kind of like Ariel and Little Mermaid, just, I want to be where the people are. But that didn't happen, and so what would... So, to get away with that, Nanny would actually sneak away sometimes, and she would... Have her fun with the boys in the hayloft. Easiest place to hide from her dad if she wanted to bring things over. The hay. Yeah, Quite and literally. and this was a safe place because, well, think about it. If she's fooling around with a lot of guys, she's gonna be able to stay hidden from her dad. Yeah, and <clears throat> her mother, her mother may have actually known about these exploits and kept quiet about it, which I could see why. Because yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if Nanny had, you know come with child, we're pregnant. Uh-huh. She'd be able to get away from the farm, yeah. something her mother would not be able to do for a long time. Then in 1921, gonna jump ahead a little, okay. at the age of 16, Nanny was married to Charlie Braggs, who was about 16, 17. About got, the norm for back then. Yeah, gotta think about it. This is <clears throat> 1920s. So we're also in the roaring 20s. We're slowly making our way towards the Great Depression. Which a lot of stuff that doesn't for funny enough all that doesn't necessarily play into Nanny and her life. Well, yeah, I mean she was born dirt poor, so I mean it didn't affect her that much. It she, was oh no, nothing has changed. Okay. Pretty much, it was only if you were like wealthy in New York that it affected you. Yeah. Anyway, let's see. 
but she met her husband, Charlie Charlie Braggs. Uh, she met them. She met him when the two were working at a linen factory of all places. He was a handsome. He was a handsome individual. And after four months of dating, they worked fast. Back, they worked four months. They worked. They worked fast back then. Uh, and getting her father's approval, Nanny and Charlie were married. And the main reason for her father's approval was because Charlie took care of his mother, who was a single, unwed mother. I feel like that's going to come back into play, isn't it? Oh, she's going to come into play. But a single, unwed mother. So, right there, it's already like, oh, she's, you know, not going to be seen as good back then. Back then, they had a lot of very poor attitudes about people who were, yeah, like, you know... Yeah, there was very negative... A lot of stuff like that. Yeah. But he would take care... Charlie would take care of his mother, putting his paychecks toward her instead of jazz music from New York City or <laughs> parties... That, that evil music of jazz. Pretty much, and that, you know, respecting your elders, good old-fashioned beliefs. That's what James, that's why James liked Charlie. Charlie was so devoted to his mother, in fact, that she insisted to him, that his mother insisted to him, that she live with a newlywed couple. Oh. Yeah. And because of this, Charlie's mother took almost all of her son's attention as well as restricting Nanny from doing the things she wanted to do. Essentially, she traded abuse from an actual biological parent, her father, to, to the in-law. To an in-law, her mother-in-law. I mean, I feel like there's a trope about in mother-in-laws. <laughs> in fact, Nancy actually was quoted well after um, you know, she was caught. Yeah, She's, after the fact. She said, she said, I married, as my father wished, in 1921 to a boy. I only note about four or five months who had no family, only a mother who was unwed and who had taken over my life completely when we were married. She'd never seen anything wrong with what she'd done, but she would take spells. She would not let my own mother stay the night. So, essentially, say, for example, that, you know, Nanny wanted wanted Charlie to take her to uh, a nice dinner. Yeah. His mother would then have these fainting spells and act like she was in despair so she wouldn't oh. lose her little boy. Yep. Her mother her mother-in-law was much like that. I hate that. Yeah, it's not a, she's a terrible person. Oh my god. Let's see. Between 1923 and 1927, the marriage between Nanny and Charlie produced four daughters. But what was once thought to be the idyllic marriage quickly turned into a very unhappy one. Nanny began to drink and became addicted to cigarettes. I mean, they were healthy back then, so that's a good thing. Mm. And even further, to get even a little crazier, both she and Charlie committed infidelity against each other. I mean, I feel like that was going to happen with the mother-in-law throwing monkey yeah. wrenches in. Left yeah, and right. Char Charlie would leave for several days on end. Like we're talking, it, like we're talking, like maybe a week he would be gone. And in that time, Nanny would also be going to, uh, having different men ogle her at parties and dances, and she would just feel like, you know, the girl next door. Because she was, in her 20s, she was, because think about it, she was married in 1921 at the age of 16. Yeah. And it is, and it is, you know, between 1923 and 1927, she's just coming into her late teens, early 20s. Yeah. She's still feeling sexy. She's like, you know, she wants that. But... In 1927, in 1927, the couple lost their two middle daughters. Ooh. 
Early one morning in 1927, the couple lost their two middle daughters to suspected food poisoning after escape after not escaping. After eating breakfast one morning, Charlie then Charlie then fled with the couple's eldest daughter Melvina out of fear that Nanny had murdered the two daughters while leaving Nanny to take care of their youngest daughter Florina. I did try to look up the names of the two daughters who yeah. were dead. Couldn't find anything. I looked, and it was difficult. Records back then were not very good. No. And this was 1920s, so it's like, yeah. Did you catch ages for any of them? They would have been like three or four. They would okay. have been They would have been children. Uh, Melvina was the oldest. Mm. Actually, they would have been two or three. Melvina was like four or five. Okay. And so. Florina was like a newborn. Okay. So, big time. Shortly after that, though, Nanny began working for a cotton mill to, to support herself and her daughter, Florina. Interestingly enough, Charlie's mother also died around that time as well. But of all things... Conveniently. But of all things, though, it was a natural death. No foul play was involved. I actually okay. did some in-depth look, and it was not foul play. I nice. was like, coincidence? Then I was like, no way. No. Coin- well, coincidence, yes, but... Yeah, it's full-on happened. Then in 1928... Charlie returned a year later with his daughter Melvina as well as a new love interest. I couldn't find her name. A divorcee with hit with her own child. So Charlie and Nanny divorced the summer of 1928 with Charlie going with his new love interest and Nanny taking her two living daughters, Melvina and Florina, and moving back in with her parents. God. So back to the back to the abuse. Right. Charlie always maintained he divorced and left Nanny because he was frightened of her. And he would be right. He would be the lucky one out of yeah, all of he's this. He's the one that got away. Pretty much. But, once again, Nanny took care of her loneliness the only way she knew how. <clears throat> by pouring over the more romantic magazine stories as well as back to the Lonely Hearts columns once again. She found one particular advert that caught her attention from a 23-year-old Florida man named Robert Franklin... Frank Harrelson. We're going to call him Frank from here on. Okay. He would send her romantic letters, and she even sent him a cake. Just like absolute classic lovey-dovey 1920s stuff back then, you know? Yeah. They met and married shortly after in 1929. She was 24, he was 23. He was going after the older women for sure. (laughs) Nanny moved herself and her daughters down to Jacksonville, where Frank lived and worked. So Jacksonville, Florida. Why would you willing? Well, I can't say that I did. You Why would you willingly there. move to Florida? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, things seemed idyllic, but after a few months, Frank's true colors came out. Let me guess. He was abusive. A violent alcoholic with a criminal record of assault. So little. Little touch and go. Little touch and go. Yeah. Despite this, Nanny and Frank stayed married for 16 years. She just can't really catch a break, can she? That's about to get, uh, we're about to get into some depth here. In 1943, Nanny became a grandmother to a boy named Robert Lee Haynes, who was the firstborn of her daughter Melvina and her husband, Mosey Haynes. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Doss came by to help make sure her granddaughter, make sure her daughter and grandson were okay. Then in two years later, in 1945, Melvina gave birth to another baby, but the baby died shortly after, about an hour or so. Okay, so something medical related, I'm sure. Under the effects of ether, 
which would make anybody groggy, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, as well as exhaust from giving birth, Melvina swore that she saw her own mother, Nanny, take a hat pin and stab the baby in the head with it, killing the little girl. Open up the file to the third to the third photo. The third oh, and final photo. That's there's a second one and those are hat pins. Oh. Those are hat pins. Yeah, I, I was wanted, thinking Jesus. No, they're about hat pins are about that big. Yeah, dude. I was thinking like a thumbtack size thing. No, nope, nope, nope. No, we're talking like a couple inches in length. And Mel- well, that's not a natural cause at all, or a medical cause. <laughs> but we'll get there. Melvina, even though she was under the effects of the ether, she did ask her husband and her sister about what had happened. And all they could say was that Nanny had told that the baby was dead and that she had been fiddling with a pin in her hand. And the doctors, they couldn't come up with a cause of death because apparently in the 1940s... They were blind and couldn't see a hole in a head. And, and, you know, kids just died. Like, there was was an infant mortality (laughs) rate that was much worse than today. What happened? I don't know. Kid kid died. Kid died. Pretty much. It happens. And... After this, which kind of sucks, Melvina and Mosey began to drift apart, and I would assume they divorced after, because... Probably. Well, after this, Melvina began dating a soldier, whose name I couldn't find, but apparently he was a soldier. But Nanny didn't like this soldier, and so while Melvina was visiting her father, Charlie, after getting into a very, very fiery argument with Nanny, Robert, the two-year-old, died of asphyxiation while under Nanny's care on July 7th, 1945. What the fuck? Two months later, Nanny collected a $500 insurance claim on Robert. So, her two daughters and her grandchildren. Already we have four people. Nanny hasn't even gotten to her husband yet. Jesus. Yeah, so that head injury may have been something, or maybe she did have a mean streak. Either way. I mean, either way, she had a mean streak. It's just, did the head injury amplify it? Absolutely. And so then, in 1945, also in 1945, after Japan surrendered at the end of World War II, Mm -hmm. Frank, who had actually served in the time, celebrated like everybody else. He got super drunk, because, you know... Kissed a a nurse in the middle of New York City. Oh, yeah. We all did that. That old photo. He got super drunk at a party and then returned home, and for anybody who is listening, this is a, a, a trigger warning in the event just to say, um, he raped Nanny. Oh. Like, he came home and was like, I'm drunk, I'm gonna fuck you no matter what, and it, yeah, and she just sat there, just like, this is it. And this was the last straw for her. Oh, shit. The next day, she found his whiskey bottle, pour, uh, poured out about half of it, and put some rat poison in it. He died a very painful death later that evening. She then rinsed out the bottle and threw it away. <laughs> Some people, they thought it was food poisoning. And that's, you know, five deaths now. She's Al- Yeah, it's alcohol poisoning. She collected the insurance money off of Frank's death, just as she had with her grandchildren. Well, grandson. Yeah, least. one of the two. Jesus. So she's already got five people, and it's 1945... So she's already less than, she's already about less than 20 years she's killed five people. So it's about to get crazier. In a pretty dramatic fashion for all of them. Uh-huh. Like, they're, 
the asphyxiation seems to be the most bland murder. I mean, you know, kid may have kid may have eaten something and died, but I don't know. But kid died. And back then child death just was a bit more common, I guess. Yeah. But back to the Lonely Hearts column for Nanny Doss. In 1947, two years after she killed her, killed her second husband, yeah. she found another man in Lexington, in Lexington, North Carolina, Arlie Lanning, whom she married three days later. Went right to it. Just didn't stop. Just Vegas, that thing, huh? Pretty much. And much like Frank, Arlie was an alcoholic womanizer. So yeah, He's about to be womanized. But instead of disappearing for days on end, like the previous husbands, mm-hmm. Nanny would be the one disappearing before coming back to play the doting housewife role. So she would go out and have affairs just like Arlie did, but she would come back and act like nothing. And then in 1950, she used rat poison <laughs> to put in his food, and he died shortly after. But it was diagnosed as heart failure because everybody knew that Arlie Lanning was a heavy drinker, so, it's like, well, his stomach is messed up, and his liver's shot, so... and eh, he died of alcohol poisoning. Yeah. That's... They, it, wink, it, wink, nudge, nudge. He was able to get away with it. And then, the community around Lexington all came to Lanning's funeral to support Nanny. That's six. That's six people now that she's killed. Jesus. But we're not through with North Carolina yet. The house that Arlie and Nanny had called home soon went up in flames. Now, it's a bit conspicuous, because the thing is, the house was meant for Arlie's sister in the event of his death. Mm-hmm. But Nanny... I wonder what happened. But Nanny said she wasn't there because she had the television set in the back of her car being taken to a uh, a repair, repair store. A repair store. And this is, you know, 19... This is, you know, the 19... 50s, I oh, think. so she was taking it to the Circuit City. Oh, this is nineteen forty. This is nineteen. Yeah, this is nineteen fifties. Uh, yeah, this is back when television was you know big, like yeah. became the big thing. So she was taking it yeah. there. But of course, the house went up in flames. And so, what did Nanny do? She quickly pocketed the insurance money from the fire before she left North Carolina. My God. Lanning's Lanning's mother, Nancy's mother-in-law, Sarah Lanning, also died in her sleep about this time. I feel like. Was a possibility. And then Nanny quickly left North Carolina and moved in with her sister, Dovey, who was battling cancer at the time. Oh, God. Nanny would help her bedridden sister as best she could. But shortly after Nanny arrived, Dovey died in her sleep. Yeah. Be it from the cancer or from Nanny taking care of her own hands. Taking care of, into her own hands. Oh, Christ. This I'm is lean- depressing. I'm leaning towards the latter on this one. I'm not even I kidding. wonder why. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, dude. Do you think she rat poisoned it? I feel mm. like that's her choice. Rat poison, arsenic, cyanide, or even just a pillow over... Or even one full of the cuckoo's nest with a pillow. I, I want to see this next pic. Like, there's no more pictures oh, after that Oh, there's no one. more? Okay. That's I was it. like... Christ, I'm going to see, like, crime photo scenes or something and I vomit in my mouth. I couldn't find photos that were crime-related. Everything was everything was in the courthouse, like what I like the first photo of Nanny, yeah. and everything else. And she doesn't look like a She killer. looks like everyone's grandma. Exactly! That's why she got the nickname The Giggling Granny, and we're going to get into that, too. So, by this time, at the age of 47, Nanny began to gain some weight... 
her hair began to gray, and she began to wear glasses, as the photo you see as there. As the photo dictates, and started growing curlers in her hair. <laughs> but she would, so she wouldn't be able to turn the heads of young men again, the young curly-haired boys. I mean, that, unless they're into that sort of thing. But, yeah. but, thinking, anyway, but thinking about it. <laughs> but now she could find the wandering eyes of older gentlemen who might like a fuller, who might like a fuller-figured woman like her, yeah. who still had that girlish giggle to her. And can cook like a mofo. Absolutely. With poison. And so she went back on the husband hunt. She joined a dating service called the Diamond Circle Club, which seems like one of those speed dating things. It sounds like a cover for the Illuminati. (laughs) Shit, we figured it out. Run, run. I think we have. Get out of here! But it was through this service that she found husband number four, Richard L. Morton. That's right, we have a guy named Dick in the mix now. I don't know how we get that, but it's like a lot of serial killer episodes, there's always somebody named Richard involved. I'm going to do a side story real quick. Okay. At my old job at a Harley dealership, we had a retired cop that detailed our bikes, and he was actually a crime scene member, or crime scene team member, and he would always watch these documentaries and like critique them. Mm-hmm. And his wife said, you know, there's always a dick at the crime scene. There's also a Larry, Larry. His name was Larry. So she would shoot every time he'd start critiquing. All right, listen, Larry, you don't have to be a dick. <laughs> but yeah, going with your there's always a dick in the mix. Yeah. Phrasing That's on that. Big time phrasing. But, Big time yeah, freezing. There was always a Larry, and Larry was this overanalytical, analyzed every little speck of dirt. There's always a tightwad. His name is Larry. That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about Dick now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Richard L. Morton. Dick Morton. <laughs> Dick Alrighty. Morton. Yeah, they. this is husband number four, and they married in 1952 in Emporia, Kansas, of all places. We're getting closer. Yep, we are. We went from... I think I've been to Emporia. I probably have a couple times. I'm sure you have. We've, yeah, I'm from the, that area. But let's see, we've been from Alabama to North Carolina. Now we're in Kansas. Don't forget Florida. We were there for a hot stint, weren't we? Oh, I did forget that. Yeah, we were in a fair for a hot stint. But from Florida, let's see. Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, and then we happen to find ourselves in Emporia, Kansas. Christ. So yeah, she's gotten around, so we're now in So yeah, Kansas, that's a fun one. This man, Richard Dick, he wasn't an alcoholic like his like her previous. My God, husbands, she broke the pattern. But he was a womanizing cheat and who was who was immensely despondent, owing money to everyone. Okay, so we haven't really broke the mold. Now, like we we've, no. we've got a couple of things changed, but no breakage on the mold just yet. Swap one addiction for the other, you know. Pretty much, and. Nanny's hopes of having, once again, that idyllic relationship, that idyllic love, went flatter than Kansas's background. And <laughs> being from Kansas, there ain't a lot up there. Oh, man. We're going to get so many Kansas Kansas people not liking us. Oh, they're going to relate. They're going to be like, yeah, no, it's, it's, like, it's flat. Yeah, no, I can see Arkansas from here. Pretty much. Pretty much. And those Bur- don't even, those don't even um, connect. Listen. Only took one geography class. <laughs> We're gonna see Nebraska. Is that better, Tim? Nebraska's also I've driven through Nebraska like 
My family and I went up to corn. Went up to the South Dakotas. There was no corn actually in the fields at the moment. It wasn't. It wasn't harvest season. But it was suck summer. So we went up to South Dakota and we were coming back through Nebraska. We were on one stretch of road the entire way. No towns. No cities. Maybe like a little bed and breakfast. And we only saw like one or two cars. That was it. It was. It was blank. In fact, you wanna know how much of a cheap dick was? Here's how much of a here's how much of a cheap dick was. Here's how much of a cheating dick it, he was. He would buy a nice necklace for Nanny, right? But then he'd buy another necklace like it's for another woman. So it's like he's I mean one stop shopping, I guess. So it's like he's despondent, but he's still able to like, oh I'll pay this I'll get this nice jewelry for my wife and then for my uh my my mistress. It's okay, great. Nanny eventually figured everything out because uh, he would be out of the house for hours at a time when he said he'd just be going to the store. Going out for coffee. Or, you know, what? what is it? Milk? Going out for milk? Yeah. yeah. Milk and cigarettes. Coming yeah. back. And, you know, when he'd come back, she would poke and prod him and ask him, like, what is going on? Why are you doing this? Poke and prod him with a friggin' hat pin? And, nah, I wish. And and he would just slide it off his shoulder by saying, well, I just dawdled about. I got talking with Mr. Smith about, you know, the corn out in the fields and meh, 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 meh. See? That's, so what he, she would cl- that's what he would claim to her. So, so here's the thing. I do that all the time. Like, when I go out by myself, I constantly get stuck talking to someone. Absolutely. And, it, yeah. It started off in, like, you know, it would be, like, you know, 30 minutes to get into town. Because they lived outside of Emporia, I would argue. Yeah. But well, then, but then you know, going into town would, and then it just would take longer. So it would go from, like, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to two hours, so on. To three days. I was just talking about corn. And okay. it's about to get really depressing right here. Yeah, because up till now, it's been just a hunky-dory trip down... Down memory lane. <laughs> then all lollipop guild adventure. This shouldn't be memory lane. No, that's bad. Before Richard was murdered by Before she killed Dick. Before she killed Dick by poison, Nanny's mother, Louisa, came to stay with them after suffering a broken Christ, how old is her mother now? Eighties. <sighs> after suffering a broken hip and a dead husband. <laughs> oh Papa John finally kicked the bucket in his eighties. Likely all cantankerous old man, too. Probably just had too much garlic sauce. (laughs) Yeah, because I actually had to go back to see what her dad's name was, and it is John Hazel, so old Papa John. Yeah, definitely too much garlic sauce. Absolutely, at that point. And he died in his 80s. He was a cantankerous, cantankerous old man. Like, if he was bad when he... Like, if he was a horribly abusive man when he was younger... He would have been worse as an 80-year-old. Well, he was just too grumpy and too shitty to die. And I have met people who are like that. You have met people who are like that. It's like, how do you... It's like, how are you still alive? It's like, it's like old geezer, how are you still alive? Spot, I fucking hate everything. It's like, okay, you got me there. The devil called up 20 years ago. I told him to fuck off. And I have actually met people who say that. And I'm like, Ugh, okay, I'm not going to piss you off anymore. No. I'm going to go walk away. <laughs> I had customers like that. <laughs> <laughs> I had customers ride their motorcycles to doctor's appointments. You can't ride your motorcycles anymore. All right, well, got to ride it home, though. I'll do what <laughs> I want. I don't care. <laughs> and so this was around, you know, Christmas time, 
November, December time frame when, you know, her mother came to stay with them in Emporia because she couldn't be on the farm <clears> with a... <throat> she was in her 80s, so it's like, you know, yeah. no point staying out there. Yeah, just sell the farm. But then in 1953, January, Nanny did the unthinkable. She poisoned her own mother. I mean, is it really unthinkable at this point? I think it's because her <laughs> mother was getting in the way of things. No. Nanny Nanny was already planning to kill her husband, Dick. So her mother stepping into the mix kind of went bad. But that's seven people now. That's seven people now. She only seven. <laughs> only seven in the span of almost 30 years. Those are rookie numbers. We need to get those numbers up. But then in but then in March 1953, just a few months later, Richard was also poisoned to death. That makes eight. The doctors, they didn't do autopsies on these. Clearly, and they didn't just look in general, I don't think. What yeah. happened? He died. That's Fair pretty enough. much the diagnosis back then. <laughs> that was pretty much the he diagnosis. He died of certain death. <laughs> How sure? Certainly sure. And it wouldn't even surprise me if Nanny had taken a life and had, you know, collected a life insurance policy on Richard. Yeah. I mean, that's what probably happened with all the others. She collected them all. That's what she, that was, yeah. like, and that was like her main thing was getting the life insurance money because back then, $500, which was for oh, her. $500 could buy you all the things. And $500 now is. Nothing. A tank of gas. A tank of gas at mm. this point, yeah. That's. Uh, that's, that's the real depressing why'd part. Why'd you get too real? <laughs> I got you got real. so real with that, dude. Good lord. You monster. Yeah, who's the real monster here? Well, currently... Me. Well, currently <laughs> Nanny. Yeah, I haven't murdered that many people. Well, let's hope you don't. Don't even murder one person. June 1953, Nanny met and married Samuel Doss of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, so we're finally in Oklahoma. Number... This is husband five? number five. Jesus. Yeah, and she's and she, on the first one divorced, the last three died. So now we're on number five. She met and married Samuel Doss of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Same day. No, that, I, I feel like with her track record, it keeps getting a shorter amount of time. Like, yep. Yeah. And Samuel Doss, or Sam, as I'm going to shorten it to him. He didn't worry about like, oh, you've, oh, you're, uh, oh, you've, uh, your husband's had died. Well, I'm not too worried about that. Didn't worry about that. Of all the things, he was a Nazarene minister, the antithesis of her former husbands. There was no drinking, no smoking, no, no adultery. He was a massive penny pincher. He didn't cuss. He didn't gamble. Nothing. He was seen as clean and crisp. He had his. Hair kept nice. His suits were tailored immaculately. Like, he would make sure that they were pressed and everything. So, he was you? No. Well, wait, no, you drinking cussing. Yeah, he was not <laughs> me. But, like, he looked like a rich man, even though he he worked for, like, he worked for the state as, like, a highway inspector. <laughs> but he always wore a tie. He was always very well put together. But there was one thing about him that kind of went wrong. A couple things that went south with this with this marriage i'm gonna take a guess okay okay take a guess what his issue was yeah i'm just gonna say this he was a man of the cloth no oh okay no my guess is up then okay that was a good guess because nazarene minister but no 
Nazarenes, they're not Catholic, though. Now, if you're a Catholic priest... I wasn't trying to call anyone out. <laughs> now, if you're a Catholic priest, though, you can be a man of the cloth, and you are devoted to the church. That's how it is. Oh, yeah. So so what was Mr. Nazarene's... What was Mr. Doss's issue? He didn't like romance novels that Nanny liked. What an absolute asshole, am I right? How dare he not like smut? Exactly! But in all seriousness, though, <clears throat> he hated television and radio. He didn't like them. He thought it... Oh, he was one of those guys. This is the 1950s. It's the gateway to the devil. Yep. He also saw romance novels and magazines as lurid and not worth the time. He was a very strict man. Even going so far that he had bedtime set at 9.30 p.m. No excuses. Lights were out by then. Usually passing out at 9.30. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> but he was a man who was in his... He was a man in his, you know, early 50s. So just, like, saying where where he was set at, so... Yeah. Even further, you were whole, like, he's a man of the cloth, and, you know, <clears throat> joking that, you know, he stays celibate. Sex was scheduled. One day out of the week at 9 o'clock, just before lights out. <laughs> and they're both they're both people who are in their late 40s early uh, the, 50s uh, no kids <laughs> okay you're the real monster now you're, you're trying to put that image in people's heads like that Ew, i love it that's hilarious jerry with the motherfucker. <laughs> anyway Nanny didn't like this, and so what did she do? She fled back to Alabama to get away from Samuel. And what did he do? He was actually he was actually chasing after her. He would send out letters of forgiveness, and he pled for her to come back, to even to even sweeten the deal and get her back. He opened he up. He scheduled sex thirty minutes earlier. No. Oh. He opened up his pocketbook. You know how much he was a penny pincher. Yeah. He opened up his pocketbook and he said, here's the money to live the kind of lifestyle that you used to live before you met me. He still had control of the finances, though. Oh, yeah. But, but he was like, here, I will let you have this. Just keep in mind, I still own the finances, so don't go too crazy, but you're going to get a close enough taste that you can go back to living how you used to live before me. He, even further, and this is... uh. <laughs> He put out not one, but two life insurance policies on himself just to show how much he'd stop penny pinching. And it was at this moment we realized he fucked up. Mm hmm. <laughs> I'm just picturing her in Alabama. Reading that and just like in a gas station, like I, I got, I gotta go, I gotta go. And then like her eyes become cartoonish, like dollar signs, like cha ching. Yeah, like the wolf. Like yeah. just doo, doo. <laughs> be happy as ever. Oh my god, what an idiot! So September nineteen fifty four, he died. Nanny has since come back, and Samuel would be sent to the hospital with flu-like symptoms. And he was treated for severe digestive tract infection, which was which was the result of a poisoned prune cake that Nanny made for him. 
You mentioned the cake earlier, how she'd make a cake and pie and stuff. There you go. And oh, I don't like prunes. So. <laughs> and after a month of hospitalization, a month of hospitalization, Samuel came back home in October only to be finished off by Nanny with arsenic-laden coffee. I feel like... Like, I guess it was the 50s. I mean, how do you get a hold of arsenic? Yeah, it was the 50s. Just go to the pharmacist. Yeah, just go to the dollar store. Go to the pharmacist and be like, yeah, I need some arsenic. Well, rat poison is arsenic. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So, but I, it was a bit more common to get back then before a lot of, like, laws were put into place. And so, she then tried to collect the, the insurance money on both policies that he had put against himself. But the doctor who had treated Samuel for that entire month suspected foul play. Mm. And he asked for an autopsy. My God, the man has a degree. This, this was Nanny's undoing. This was finally the straw that broke the camel's back for her. When the autopsy was done... A large amount of arsenic was found in Samuel's system. And shortly thereafter, Nanny was arrested. For what? Murder. <laughs> For absolute murder. Speeding. And so when she and so she was taken in and she was investigated and interrogated, she acted casual about it. Like she would be reading the news articles. From the Lonely Hearts columns and the romantic magazines what? like she used to do and not even look up. And, and you know, uh, investigative journalists would ask her to put the magazine down and, and she wouldn't. She would just sit there and be reading. No, no thoughts about it. She even giggled about the aspect of killing everybody, not really owning up to it, which is where she got the moniker, the giggling granny. That's, oh, that's yeah, disturbing. She, and she very much just didn't care. Until eventually, she spilled the beans. She confessed to killing four husbands, her sister, Dubby, her own mother, two of her daughters, two of her grandkids, as well as her mother-in-law, Sarah Lanning. And because she was in Oklahoma at the time, the state only charged her for Samuel Doss's murder. Out of everything... Eleven people only convicted of one. What was what was her sentence, though? After she was found mentally capable of standing trial and pleading guilty on May 17, 1955, she was sentenced to life imprisonment, not given the death penalty due to being yeah. a woman at the time. But just life. In the state <clears throat> penitentiary in McAllister. And then she only served for about ten years before she died of leukemia in 1965. Jesus Christ. Yep, and that ends our story of Nanny Doss, Ugh. a little old lady who wasn't so much, wasn't so much, you know, the sweet grandma. A nice grandma. little old granny. Yep, and if you look up other photos of her, she's always smiling and just looks like she's giggling, and it's disturbing, dude. So on a scale of 1 to 10 on how creepy that is... How creeped out are you? That's about an 8.5. That's about an 8.5 right there. Okay, that's actually fair. It doesn't affect me nearly as much because I did a lot of the research, so I guess I'm a little... Uh, yeah, you're numb to it. Yeah, I'm numb to it now. Five husbands. Four dead husbands. <laughs> that first one's got to be like... He had to be reading the newspapers like, Oh! 
I dodged a bullet. Oh, I'm going to go play lottery now. Yep. Jesus. By her the two, way. Presumably her two daughters. Oh, no, her two daughters. She did eventually confess to that. Okay. She Before she confessed, <clears throat> she was like, I didn't do nothing. They died of food poisoning because I didn't cook right. It's like, no, you poisoned you made, them. Yeah, like you made a prune cake. Which, uh, that was, that's I mean that's poison enough. That's for the that's for her that was for her last husband. She like was like eggs or something like a, a standard breakfast for her yeah. two daughters. Yeah, but I mean like her mo is food poisoning yeah. and coffee poisoning. <laughs> coffee poisoning. I did actually look into like you know the poison is a woman's weapon thing. That's a fairly sexist attitude, but in this yeah. instance, it did nail fit. it well. Mm. It did fit for the sake of it because. <laughs> if it for this is because she mainly did do that she didn't she didn't use a knife she didn't use a gun she didn't yeah. use a hatchet she used poison she used arsenic rat poison whatever she could get her I hands mean, on i mean up until you know a doctor did his job yep she was free and clear like had he had it not been the doctor had who he had not checked... showed up to class a couple of times yeah had that doctor not checked over sam doss and then gone, this isn't right. This isn't right. This man was healthy when he left. He can't just die suddenly. We checked on him for a month. He had a long time of recovery, and to just up and die out of the blue definitely was suspicious to the doctor. That is insane. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to flip the or reverse Uno card you on this. Ah, crap. I did know a little bit of her. You did. Like, I've seen the pictures of her, and I knew... I've heard the giggling granny moniker, and I knew she, like, a streak of husbands. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was all I knew. That lady's evil. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I actually had to look into Bluebeard as well, which I kind of wish I covered this at at the beginning of the episode. But, whatever the case, Bluebeard is a literary character who appears in... Mostly French stuff, I think. Yeah, that sounds very French-ish. And, and his, he, he's like, you know, Baron Bluebeard is his name. And he meets this woman, and he, you know, has he gets a wife, and he says he's had many wives before, and that he tells her, he tells his next wife not to uh, open the basement. And he accidentally drops a key... And so then she takes the key, opens the basement, and then finds out, oh, this has all the dead bodies in it of his ex-wives. And then he tra- and then he comes home, finds out she did this, tries to kill her, and she ultimately, I think with her brothers, kills him. Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> so in short, it in short, so being called the Lady Bluebeard killing killing spouses for money and yeah. Or you know anything else like that? That's definitely uh, falls in line with her. Absolutely, and she was a black widow as well. Just yeah, clearly. But man, I <laughs> it, it's still funny to me because she seems so unassuming. That's the worst part about it. And it's like people will say, "Well, all the other serial killers were unassuming." It's like most of them are also dudes. And if you look at a lot of the guys who have been serial killers, you can tell there's something off about them. It's in their eyes. But her. She looks like a granny, and it just doesn't make me think of anything else. In fact, she actually brings up a couple of characters from a from a play, and what eventually became a movie that I watched 
years ago. It was called Arsenic and Old Lace. It starred in the night. It was it was based in the nineteen forties, mm-hmm. and the movie starred the movie starred Cary Grant in a very funny role. He was nice. a, he was a comedic man. Yeah, very 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 expressive. Who he he plays a um, critic who hates romance. He's like, oh, romance is dumb. Like everything you see in the in the plays and on the movies is dumb and wrong. In reality, he actually has found himself a, a a woman that he wants to marry. He finds himself a fiance, and so he goes to tell his his matronly aunts, the women who raised him and his brother, his brother who believes he is Theodore Roosevelt. Are you his brother? No, but it's pretty funny. So, um, and so then. He talks to them, and they're just casual about it. They're like, oh, they're like, oh, we take, oh, uh, oh, we kill people. Like, we've killed people who have no family, or they're vagrants, or nobody's going to miss them. So we just poison them with arsenic, and then we bury them down in the basement, thanks to Teddy's help. And they're just casual about it, and he's like, aunties, what's wrong with you? Do you hear yourself talking about this right now? <laughs> like... he, I think he, I think that was actually a line <clears throat> in the play and they're just like, oh, yes, we know. We just think we're doing a service. And they're just so casual and nonchalant about it, which is the funny part. It's just like, oh, my God, this is wrong, but pretty funny. So I feel like, and this may be skewed because I'm male, but I feel like female serial killers are way more terrifying. I Because there's a subtlety to it. For most of them, I assume. And that's because guys are... It's we're, like, we're dumb. It's like 85% of the time it is male serial killers. Yeah, There's that, that 15%, 15%. Yeah. Is... Mm. This was one of the first ones that I knew of who was a female serial killer. There's a couple more out there. Oh, yeah. And there's... There's some more disturbing stuff out there that I'm looking forward to do. I'm not even going to kid you. To what? To look into them. <laughs> Nobody can see it, but I have a very big grin on my face right now, and Tony's girl power, yeah. And Tony's kind of Tony's kind of creeping out right now. He's like, oh, like um, what have I got myself into with this idiot? I don't remember signing this part of the contract. <laughs> so what are we gonna do for our next episode, or do we want to just keep that up in the air and figure it out as we go? Huh? I mean. Up in the air is a pretty good clue. All right, up in the air, huh? Yeah. That works. We'll just keep it a mystery for everybody for next episode. Once again. I thought you were doing it. No. <laughs> I'm keeping this in. I'm Tim. He's Tony. This has been I'm Tony. Uh, you're Tim. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Tall and Short, so I hope you've enjoyed it. We do have a we do have an email address now. Oh Jesus. I made certain of it. So if you want to sp- send us spam emails, if you know. Want, if you want to send us emails, if you want to chat with us, our new email is tallandshort at gmail.com. That is one word, tall and short, A-N-D, not the ampersand symbol. Is the tall like all capitalized? No, it's uh, all lowercase. Damn. So T-A-L-L-A-N-D. S-H-O-R-T at gmail.com. 
You can send us emails. Tell us, you know, give us updates on anything or... Tell us we suck. Or Tell us Tim sucks. <laughs> Tell us Tony sucks. You suck. I'll throw the Uno reverse card back at you, buddy. Oh. oh, shit, I don't have a cat to throw at you now. Okay, here's an Uno stop card. There you go. <laughs> but thank you all for listening, and hope you all have an amazing day. And don't eat poisoned prune cakes. Don't eat prunes. Just don't eat prunes. Hey, everyone. Tim here. Uh, so I gave the wrong email address in the initial recording, so here it actually is. Don't go to the one I did say. Go to this one instead. It's tallandshortpod at gmail.com. That's tall and short pod, all one word, at gmail.com. T-A-L-L-A-N-D-S-H-O-R-T-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thank you very much.